everybody. Can you hear me okay? Okay, thank you. So we begin our seventh full day of practice together. And judging by the stillness and quiet that I'm experiencing inwardly and externally, there's been a significant amount of settling of the heart and the mind and the body, the practices that we've been doing. And following on Jaya's beautiful talk about gratefulness last night, I want to speak a little bit today about the quality of metta and cultivating this quality in meditation and as we go about our day-to-day activities here at Spirit Rock and beyond. And I'd like to begin by telling the story that's in the commentaries about how the Buddha taught metta to his monks, some of his monks. And the story goes that uh, in the time of the Buddha, by the, after some years, um, there were a significant number of monks and nuns practicing. And during the time of the year when it was rainy, they would be Um, they would stay in one place and practice for quite a while until the rains stopped and they could travel about. And the Buddha sent a group of monks to a forest to practice for this period. But as they settled in, they realized that the forest was full of tree spirits who were inhabiting the trees that the monks had taken residence up underneath. So each monk was sitting by a tree, and each tree had a spirit in it. And these forest spirits did not like the fact that the monks were there. They felt it was too crowded for them, I suppose. So they began to harass the monks in various ways. I'm not sure exactly what it would look like for a tree spirit to harass one, but I imagine that... (laughs) If their experience is anything like mine in a dark forest, there would be noises that I couldn't identify and things falling, things going bump. The monks became very frightened and they went back to where the Buddha was staying and they beseeched him not to send them back to this terrifying place. And the Buddha responded by teaching them metta And he spoke at that time the Metta Sutta, which I know a lot of you have heard. Um, And the monks went back to the forest and they practiced with the practices that are described in this sutta. And they, the spirits became so happy to have the monks there that they coexisted until the end of their practice period. And the spirits were actually quite sad when the monks left because it had been so enjoyable to have them there. So I'd like to read the Metta Sutta because although some people probably know it very well, others may not have heard it. So just listen and you can imagine that we are not unlike the monks in the time of the Buddha, all gathered together to practice. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, 
humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another, nor despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or a will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, rising upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, free from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the divine abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being free from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. I think you can hear in the sutta some um, some of the threads that are in the chants that we've been doing in the morning, the highest blessings and the um, the chants on the divine abidings. So metta is the the first of those divine abidings, and the basis for the others of compassion, and gladness and equanimity. Um, and metta is translated variously, sometimes as loving-kindness. That's probably the most common one that we experience here. Also as goodwill or friendliness. And so it's a little different than the kind of love that we experience for a family member, a partner, etc. Because it, it's infinite, and it extends to all beings everywhere, without exception. So, when I reflect on this story, and the fact that metta was taught as a protection from the hatred and ill will of others, I wonder how is it that cultivating goodwill in one's own heart protects one from the ill will of others? I think it's a really interesting and fruitful area to look into. Um, So how does this work? One way that that it can be efficacious or effective is it's really a relational practice, the practice of metta. And someone was sharing in one of the interviews Um, the feeling of having been unconditionally loved by grandparents and what that felt like. And um, if you can sense that feeling yourself, sometimes we have a, a, a kind of softening 
or a, a large softening in the presence of another whose heart is soft and open and without barriers. And when we ourselves experience that softening, we're less likely to push away or um, act in hostile ways towards others. And we have in our history some examples of highly developed love in this way. Um, If you think about Mahatma Gandhi and his um, movement at the time that the British were colonized, uh, had colonized India, and you think about Martin Luther King in this country, and you think about Nelson Mandela, who, while he was in prison, decided to learn about and befriend his captors. And he learned, the, he learned the language of Afrikaans, so he was able to speak to his jailers. And so he, before he could do that, he had to soften and put down whatever sense of separateness, he, separateness on a very human level, he had developed towards people who were, in fact, violent and oppressive towards him and his people. So all of this is to say that it is possible for us here, now, today, even as we experience and understand that there are some extremely powerful forces of ill will and hatred, to cultivate this quality in ourselves so that we might be able to meet the anger of others and possibly bring forth better qualities in the people that are difficult in our lives. So, the Buddha, um, there's a story about um, a follower of the Buddha, Queen Malika, and she was married to King Pasenadi. And, but it was the queen who was um, a very devoted and astute disciple of the Buddha. And one day, the king and the queen were speaking together, and the king asked Queen Malika, is there anyone you cherish more than yourself? Probably expecting her to say, you, <laughs> my king. <laughs> because in fact, he, she had been a very low caste woman, and he had seen her beautiful qualities, and married her, and lifted her up, etc. But she reflected and she said, no, there's no one I cherish more than myself. The the king took a minute to think about this and then he went directly to the Buddha and relayed this story. And the Buddha said, actually, she's right. And he, he said, I visited all quarters with my mind. This is the Buddha speaking. Nor found I any dearer than myself. Self is likewise to every other dear. Who loves himself may never harm another. So sometimes we can overlook ourselves and be eager to um, become some sort of ideal person who projects this quality of love and friendliness out towards others. But actually, I think we've experienced here in. Um, the fact that there is no self and other, 
But that's not always our sense. So it's really important that we first bring this quality of loving kindness to our own body, hearts, and minds. And then we can nurture that and it can spread. So I'm going to guide you through a meditation in this way. So as a first act of kindness to yourself, find a posture that's, that's comfortable for you. And you can begin by taking some long breaths, slow breaths, who fully arrive in your, in your body, in your heart, in your mind. Feeling the stillness of sitting and the movement within that stillness. And feel in the body where there might be any tension or holding. And see if you can let that relax and soften. You might call to mind someone with whom you've felt, from whom you've felt pure love, someone in whose presence you've been able to relax and be at ease, someone who in some way has reflected back to you your own worthiness, well-being, potential for happiness. It could be a relative, a teacher, a friend, an animal, something in nature. Notice what happens in the body when you bring this to mind. Is there a relaxation or softening? Bring your attention to the area of the heart. This is where we feel the emotions. It's a primary place to feel what's moving through.
might feel a sense of warmth or ease in the body, bringing to mind this feeling of being loved or of loving. We can use thought to point attention to this quality and encourage it to arise, this quality of of metta, friendliness, goodwill. There are some classical phrases you can begin to say gently in your mind while paying attention to the area of the heart. May I be well. (coughs) May I be happy. May I be free from suffering. May I be at ease. You can continue the meditation by saying these phrases or others that evoke this quality of well-being in a friendly way towards yourself. Just dropping the phrase into the stillness of the mind and the body. See what arises. Allow it to rise and sustain and fade away. Using this quality of friendliness as a frame of reference for what's happening now.
as you continue with the phrases, may I be well, may I be happy, may I be free from suffering, may I live with ease. If you can extend feeling of well-being throughout the whole body, is it possible for feelings of warmth and ease to spread from the heart, throughout the whole body from head to toe. And softening around or mingling with feelings of tightness or pain or discomfort in the body. And meeting whatever arises, pleasant or unpleasant, feelings, emotions, thoughts, with a sense of kindness, acceptance, letting be, wishing well, may I be happy, may I be safe, May I be free of suffering. May I be at ease.
And we can begin to generate any sense of ease or well-being, radiating outwards from our hearts, bodies, to those around us. Spreading to those near us, may they be well. May they be happy. May they be free from suffering. May they be at ease. Generating these feelings, these wishes for well-being to those around us in the hall, seen and unseen, any beings above, below, may they be well, may they be happy. May they be free from suffering. May they be at ease. And outside the hall, on the land, in the sky, in the earth, at Spirit Rock and beyond, continuing to generate this feeling right here in the heart and allow it, encourage it to spread outwards in every direction.
We have some time for questions. is true. That's lovely. Yeah. And um, what I found for myself is that... Yes, I'm sorry. Um, the, the comment was that um, she's been practicing metta for quite a while, and sometimes she finds it um, difficult to extend metta to herself when there are so many people suffering in the world. And what she's found helpful is to say to herself, it's okay to be well, it's okay to be happy, and then able to stay with sending metta to oneself, because uh, many of us, especially in the West, apparently, grow up with conditioning of uh, lack of self-love. So, thank you. Yes, and if one has... um, uh, the leisure to explore it, I found in my own practice, it helps to just keep investigating that sense of not loving oneself, not wishing that regard for oneself um, equally to others. So thank you. Yes. Pardon? Okay, um, the question is, are there, um, that, um, there are many stories of devas in the suttas, and are there many stories of uh, other kinds of spirits and things like that? Um, I know that it's part of uh, some Buddhist cosmology that there are these um, spirits and um, other sorts of beings, some associated with nature, with natural features and elements. And I don't know extensively, though, but um, I don't know if Kirisara or Tanisra would like to say something about that. But I just think, in general, it's um, for me. I take the stories as um, opportunities to both contemplate their meaning and to open to um, experience or um, 
other possibilities in my experience or viewing, uh, learning in other ways from, from my own experience of the world. So I'm sorry I can't speak more exhaustively about the suttas. So um, he said that um, uh, in doing metta practice he often encounters ill will, but um, because of this experience with a protective spirit, uh, he was practicing metta for that spirit and that invoked the feeling. So that's a very skillful means because what we're... Um, this is a form of right effort to cultivate wholesome states and the state of wishing well to others is absolutely a wholesome state. So, thank you. Yes, in the back. I have the aspiration to be able to extend metta to um, certain people I'd rather not name right at this moment. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm wondering about is there like scaffold, scaffolding Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 well, remain unnamed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, one way um, one can approach that is through the the classic sets of phrases. Are you? F- uh, the question was, I think most people heard it, but uh, the wish to be able to extend metta to certain people and um, finding that very difficult and wondering if there's a way to lead up to that. So are you familiar with the, the classic phrases where one begins with oneself and, um, and then a revered or beloved teacher or benefactor is the classic expression, and then a friend or friends, um, someone who's neutral, uh, and then to people who are difficult or challenging, classically termed the enemy. Um, sometimes we have a hard time using that phrase, but that's the classical phrase. So that's one way. Um, another way that I've found useful is to reflect on, and this is the basis of it, um, in that quote that um, the Buddha said to Queen Malika, one can reflect on, as, as Jaya was speaking about last night, the wish of every being to be happy and the, the understanding that the very actions and attitudes that we find challenging, that uh, impede metta, grow out of a sense of unhappiness, uh, uh, suffering, um, unskillful mind states on the part of others. And we can see that very clearly in oneself. I can see that very clearly in myself. So sometimes that reflection leads to um, a sense of equanimity about, it's not a, 
it's not in any way um, an acceptance of um, harmful actions without challenge, but an equanimity about the way these things arise, that there's um, these dark, difficult mind states are beginningless. And um, so one can then extend the sense of well-being to someone who's so clearly suffering, even as they cause others suffering. I don't know if that's helpful, but... Okay, any other, anyone else? Mm-hmm. Um, I, my initial response to that would be that there, I'm not sure the situation you're talking about, but um, that there is some wisdom in there that truly if people are well, have a sense of well-being in themselves, and a wholesome mind states, then um, they aren't as likely, we are I'm not as likely to act in ways that are harmful to others. And at the same time, if it's a very um, personal situation where you feel that, well, if they're well, then I'll, you know, you can examine what your, one can examine one's own motivation. Is there, is there something Um, greedy or, you know, averse there. And then just continue to, if it's a sense of, well, if they're well, then I'll get something. Or um, you can just continue to use metta as a frame of reference to illuminate that experience and just keep investigating what that is and and accepting that it's there. Any other questions or comments? Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.